Okay, hello and welcome back to Cinema at First Sight. Today I am joining you on episode 8, which is crazy. We're almost finished with season 1, which will spoiler alert be 10 episodes. If you are tuning in for the first time, the whole premise of this podcast is that I will take it upon myself to review either the first half of a movie or the pilot episode of a TV show, call it a day, and then make a judgement call based on my initial impression, solely and completely. So today's topic of review, and perhaps ridicule, we'll see, is HBO Max's new show, The Flight Attendant, which stars Kaylee Cuoco and Zosha Mamet and Rosie Perez. Before I saw it, I saw that it was marketed as having the same executive producer as both Riverdale and You, so I knew right off the bat it could really go one of two ways. But let's dive in and see which route it ended up taking. So first question, is this a rewatch or is this a first time watch? It is a first time watch. When I'm reviewing this, it is November, literally the day after the first two episodes came out. So not to brag, but I'm on top of my stuff. Now, without further ado, let's dive into some basic plot points. So the show revolves around a low-key, honestly, alcoholic flight attendant called Cassie Bowden, played by Kaylee Cuoco. We learn in the first few scenes that, I mean, she loves a drink. She's also very sexually liberated and a big fan of the one-night stand, but also doesn't really have her life together because she almost misses every flight she works on and is also pretty much either constantly hungover or drunk. Honestly, a mood, especially in quarantine. But things begin to get crazy when one wild day while on shift, Cassie decides to join the Mile High Club with a mysterious first-class passenger called Alex Sokolov. When they finally land in Bangkok, the two continue their dalliance and party incredibly hard, so much so that Cassie completely blacks out and then the next morning plot twist wakes up next to his dead body. And then cue the opening credits. Can I just say, what an opener. All of this literally goes down in the first nine minutes of the pilot. I'd say the only thing worse than waking up next to a dead body is not knowing whether or not you're responsible for the death of said body. Alcohol really do be a fickle minx. Understandably, in a state of shock and confusion, Cassie calls her friend Annie, played by Zosha Mamet, who luckily also happens to be a lawyer, freaks out and instead chooses to clean up the entire hotel room, cut herself in the process, meaning that she's more than likely left her DNA all over the scene of the crime, and then flees it immediately to board her next flight. I mean, for any fan of daytime British murder mystery television, this is clearly a rookie move. But nevertheless, we digress. As a sort of, I guess, anxiety slash trauma coping mechanism, Cassie then creates kind of like a Sherlock TV series-esque fantasy mind palace for herself, where she can go back to the scene of the crime and ends up communicating with a, I'm assuming fictitious, not-so-dead Alex and tries to fill in the gaps the aggressive amounts of vodka caused so she can A, rule herself out as a suspect and B, find out what actually happened. Meanwhile, a mysterious Scottish woman calls up the hotel and asks to speak with Alex about a meeting that they were supposed to have that morning, prompting the hotel staff to check his room, and obviously, they inevitably discovered that he's shocker dead. 
Eventually, the plane lands in Seoul, where the news breaks that Alex is indeed dead, which causes all of Cassie's flight attendant colleagues to ask her questions about her mid-flight flirtationship, and then resulting in Cassie nervously consuming an entire hotel minibar. Like I said before, girl likes a drink. Now, drunk again, Cassie begins to flash back to her childhood, to some moments that she shared with her dad. I'll briefly go through the highlights, which seem to include him giving her a beer at, I would say, age 12, 13, and then also just some random quick shots of a dead deer on the side of the road. What does this mean? Your guess at this point is as good as mine. She then realizes she somehow lost her ID, which is definitely not a good sign, and also discovers a book in her bag that belonged to Alex. So the plot thickens and more questions arise. They're obviously unanswered, but they're there. We then see that two FBI agents are looking into what happened with Alex. There's one level-headed woman on top of her game, and one chauvinistic, arrogant 20-year-old bro played by the guy who played Hunter Clarington on Glee, aka Season 4's Sebastian Warbler replacement. A deep cut, I know. They plan to interview the flight crew as soon as they arrive in New York from Seoul, but instead of cooperating, Cassie kinda tries to make a discreet run for it by power walking towards the exit. I'm not an expert in getting away with crime or getting away with waking up next to a dead body, but that wouldn't be my instinct. This is obviously to no avail, and she ends up looking way worse than if she'd just gone along with their request in the first place. Then everyone gets interviewed, and all of the flight attendants reveal that Cassie gave him a little extra attention, and when it's finally Cassie's turn, she once again goes into her Mind Palace mid-interview and remembers that on the night that Alex was killed, they met up with one of his female business associates that he was supposed to have a meeting with the next day, aka Scottish woman from the phone call. So, the two of them were not alone, and there's another potential suspect on the loose. Does Cassie say any of this to the FBI agents? We have no idea, because the credits roll and that, ladies and gentlemen, is where the pilot leaves off. I mean, I know, it's a lot to take in. So let's get into the juicy bits. Let's really tear into this piece. So what are my favorite slash moments I consider to be most exciting slash moments I consider to be most pivotal? Obviously, I think the most pivotal moment is in the first nine minutes when she wakes up next to a dead Alex Sokolov. It's the premise for the whole series. It prompts a bunch of questions and completely sends Cassie's life into chaos. And I would also argue that that's probably one of the most exciting moments as well. But my favorite things about the series, I have a lot of them. I think just the tone in general is one of my favorite things because it's definitely comedic, but in a high stakes thriller kind of murder mystery situation. It's a mashup of themes and genres, and I'm a big fan of that. Genre bending, outside of the box, creative TV shows and movies, a plus in my books. I mean, for example, when Cassie wakes up to discover that she's sleeping next to the dead body of the man she hooked up with the night before, her alarm is Wake Me Up Before You Go Go by Wham. An absolutely iconic juxtaposition. I dare you to hear that song in the background of any scene and not smile. It's impossible. There's also a pop art Hitchcockian kind of Vertigo-esque style intro packed with all kinds of symbols like bunnies and humans with deer heads, which I'm assuming are a metaphor or clue for things to come, which is amazing. It completely sets the quirky vibe. And to go along with that setting of the vibe, I love the background music. I know that's such a specific thing to point out, but I really feel like it helps keep you on the edge of your seat, but also at the same time makes you kind of want to bob along, which again perfectly encapsulates the different tones and genres that the show dabbles in. 
I also love the pace. As you can probably tell from my recap, the show moves very quickly. Like literally a man is dead before the opening credits, but it lures you in immediately. There is absolutely no preamble, no awkward small talk. You're straight into the nitty gritty, which I am a big fan of. A quick show's a good show. It does mean that you have to pay attention in case something goes by too quickly for you to pick up on, but as long as you're a fairly switched on human, it's not too complicated to keep track of. There's definitely never a dull moment. I also like the timeline and the way in which we find out information. I like learning small things about Cassie's childhood through intermittent flashbacks, as well as more about what happened on the actual night of the murder, as Cassie slowly starts to piece together what's missing from her blacked out account of the night. I like finding out things at the same time as our very unreliable narrator. And I like that this is done with the help of her anthropomorphized psyche in the form of fantasy Alex. At one point she asks, are you even Alex? And he's like, I mean, you think I am, so yeah, I'm Alex. Projection, but make it approachable. Now, flipping it on its head, what are some of my least favourite moments, or moments that I consider to be least exciting or least pivotal? I guess, seemingly, at least on a surface level, the least pivotal moments are the flashbacks to Cassie's childhood, because they're very, very brief. You only get a glimpse of random out-of-context scenes that don't seem to mean anything yet, except maybe hint at a cycle of alcohol abuse. But do I actually think that they're least pivotal or not pivotal? 100% no. I think they'll for sure come back later. Which brings me to my next point. As you can probably imagine, there aren't really many or any moments so far that aren't pivotal. I feel like unless it's very poorly written, kind of everything in a thriller slash murder mystery is there for a reason, even if that reason is to throw you off the scent and keep you guessing. So everything we've seen so far, I am considering a clue, and therefore needs to be there. Even the weird things I mentioned before that pop up in the opening credits, like giant demonic rabbits and flight attendants with deer heads, are things that I'm assuming are either thematically appropriate metaphors or hints at plot points to come, so I'm excited to see if that will pan out. And then a least favourite moment? This is incredibly minor, but when the show depicts someone on a phone call or two different characters doing things at different times, they'll show this using a classic split screen, which I'm just personally not the biggest fan of. It just kind of feels like an outdated early 2000s Nickelodeon show move, like literally straight out of Drake and Josh. But that's also just a very minor editing critique that is very much just my personal preference, not being catered to. So take that with a grain of salt. Moving on to my favourite characters, I literally have only one, and it's Cassie. I mean, she's funny. She's fun. Is she a bit of a train wreck? Absolutely. But we love a character with flaws and layers. She can't show up anywhere on time. She's dependent on alcohol in every single situation, but she does it with charm. Also, Kaylee Cuoco is absolutely killing it. I'm really happy that she has a vehicle where she's really able to pop off and show off as an actress. I've always felt like she's had a naturally likeable screen presence, which she does get to retain in this, but she also gets to be a bit of a mess and thrown into an incredibly high stakes situation. And I'm loving what she's doing with it. And I'm also excited to see where both her and the character go from here. Now moving on to my least favourite characters. One of them would have to be Megan, who is played by Rosie Perez. She's a fellow flight attendant and claims at the end to be Cassie's best friend, but is also just really high-key judgy of everything she does. I mean, admittedly, yes, is what she's judging her for valid? Absolutely. Cassie, as I said, is late to everything and constantly drinking on the job. But as her career equal, is it Megan's place to constantly criticise her? Maybe. I actually don't know what a good friend would do in that situation, but she's being annoying about it, and I like Cassie, so Megan's a no from me. 
also another least favorite character. I've had to write down his name, Special FBI Agent Van White, aka the guy from Glee. I mean, he's just so annoying and chauvinistic and probably misogynistic. We haven't seen telltale signs of that, but one generally leads to the other. Literally, even his name is toxic, Van White. Like, his last name is his M.O. In the interview with Cassie at the end, she asks if she needs her union rep or anything, which I think is a valid question, and he responds with, I don't know, do you think you need your union rep or anything? An incredibly unhelpful answer. He's just hardcore patronizing her and targeting her for no reason, apart from the fact that she does look and seem incredibly guilty after attempting to flee a cursory interview for no reason. But innocent until proven guilty is still the standard of proof in a criminal case, and he does not seem to be playing by those rules. And another least favourite character, very minor, but probably the Scottish woman from the phone. We don't know much about her. In fact, we don't know anything about her. We haven't even seen her unblurred face, but I just have a feeling she sucks. Call it intuition. I mean, she has to. Who is this mystery woman? Is she responsible for Alex's death? Probably. Is she trying to frame Cassie? Also likely. I don't trust her, and she's only had like two lines so far, so that doesn't bode well for me liking her in the rest of the series. This very neatly brings me to my next point. Storylines I think will be expanded upon slash should be expanded upon or what I want to see more or less of. Obviously, I want to know what the hell happened that night. Alex was murdered, we know that, but by who? Did Cassie do it or did she not? Is she actually innocent or did she black out and slit his throat? Also, who even is he? What's his story? What did he do to perhaps prompt getting murdered? I don't know. And another big one, who is that mystery Scottish woman? Did she kill Alex? I want to know. And then just on a kind of personal character level, will Cassie's drinking get worse? And what happened in Cassie's childhood to trigger it? What are those random flashbacks about? I want to delve more into her character and her backstory and find out why she is the way she is. Now, moving right along to most problematic moments, I do always have if applicable in brackets next to this. Is it applicable in this case? Not particularly. I mean, as I've mentioned, Cassie does drink a lot, pretty much constantly. At the moment, this is kind of a point of comedy, but I have a feeling it's going to become more serious. That quick flashback shot of her dad giving her a beer when she's 12, I think is kind of hinting at a dependency on alcohol, perhaps maybe to fill an emotional void. I'm not a therapist, but it's clearly being fostered at a young age. And this definitely is not a sign of the show being problematic itself, but rather just depicting problematic behavior of an irresponsible parent. If I am right, and this does become a more developed plotline in the future, it will be interesting to see how the show will deal with the big topic of alcoholism. So maybe it's a potential future red flag if mishandled. But currently, it's not applicable. No political incorrectness detected. You pass my test. Now, what category of viewing is it? I have trash, meaning that it's honestly terrible, treasure, meaning it's a genuinely great show, or guilty pleasure, meaning I understand it's flawed and kind of a little bit of trash, but I'm into it and I'm enjoying it. Based on the pilot so far, I'm going to slot this show into treasure. Thank God it is nothing like Rivdale. It's honestly really, really good. As I've already said, I love the tone, it's funny, it's captivating, it's also low-key anxiety-provoking, but just in the way that you want it to be. It's enticing, but definitely does not take itself too seriously. And the performances are great, particularly Kaylee Cuoco's. She's killing it, no pun intended. Or actually, perhaps pun intended, depending on Cassie's culpability down the track. And now viewing style. Who would I watch it with, where would I watch it, and who would I not watch it with? AKA the least and most ideal viewing circumstances. 
Honestly, I'd watch this with anyone. Preferably someone who doesn't talk much because as I say, it is very fast moving. And again, in that same boat, I do viewing circumstance probably when I'm not tired and not concentrating. And I also wouldn't watch this with someone who is a child. I wouldn't watch anything with someone who is a child because children and I really don't mesh, but this show in particular, I think there's swearing and also I guess sexual references, but most importantly, there's murder. It's a show about murder. But for anyone 15 and over, I'd say it's a winner. And important question, will I keep going with the rest of the season? Absolutely. I am so lured. I am incredibly happy that two episodes have come out at once because I'm going to watch the second episode immediately after I press the space bar in GarageBand. I want to see what happens next, not only because I'm already invested in the plot and the characters, but also because I just really love the overall vibe and tone. I love something that dares to be more than one thing, and this certainly does that. Shailene Woodley wanted to be Divergent, and so does this show. I'm so sorry. That was uncalled for. I'll shut up soon, I promise. Final question. Rating out of five, I'm gonna give the pilot a four slash maybe even a 4.5. I'm not kidding when I say I'm really, really enjoying this. It's genuinely really, really good. It's fun. It's a perfect mashup of tones, but the comedy of it isn't coming from a place of parody, but really coming from genuine investment in the high stick situation from the actors, and I'm loving it. Honestly, there is little to critique about it, and I am incredibly excited to see where HBO Max goes with it. And I think that's all I have for you. I highly recommend you check out The Flight Attendant. If you're American, you can watch it on HBO Max. If you're Australian, you can watch it on the Foxtel Now app, or I guess illegally online. But definitely give it a go. And that's all I can say on that. So thank you for listening. I will be back next week where I review something different. We'll find out together and I'll talk to you then. Bye.